Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God, that your plan is, is oh so much better than ours. Lord, as these kids that they come up, they are the future. Lord, thank you that you love each one of them. You have a plan for each one of their lives to follow you. You will reach out to them every day that they're alive. Thanks, Lord, that you'll continue to give the parents the courage and the wisdom to parent in what is actually turned into a very difficult time uh, to raise kids in. So thanks that you'll do that. Open our hearts today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Who is this Jesus? Yeah. I, uh, I love that video because it challenges me to remind myself, who is this Jesus? Who is this baby that, that came to earth? We, we, we see him as, as a child in a manger. Uh, a child is born to us. The son is given. The government will, future tense, rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He will be all of those things. In the future, he will rule and reign on this earth. We will all see him. So in, in moving forward, getting ready for Christmas, the, really the question that we have to ask is, who's Jesus to us? What really does the events of Christmas mean to us? You know, who, where did he start? What is this? The video did some, some great things. It, it gave the past of Jesus, who the reality of Jesus really was. Jesus came to this earth, but that wasn't the beginning that was at the right time he came to this earth. It existed forever. You know, one of the, the most powerful verses or sections of verses in, in the Bible comes out of Philippians 2. And, and it talks about who he really was and, and how he got here. He was God. He was the supreme ruler of all. He was in heaven. Angels worshipped him. He was in perfect safety. He was in perfect peace. He was in perfect security. He was the almighty God. He was the God who spoke worlds into existence with a world uh, around us is all created by him. It was a word. He spoke it and it happened. This is the God that came and was born, if you will, in a baby. Though he was God, he didn't hang on to it. He didn't think his Godhood was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, his power all the privileges that he had. The angels worshipped him in heaven. Uh, he took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Not as a super human being, as a normal human being coming as a baby, vulnerable, uh, having set aside his power. This, this is the God that we talk about at Christmas. This is the child that is in the manger. This is... This is God in the flesh coming to us. He's called Emmanuel, God and man simultaneously, but with us, God with us in the flesh, walking among us. He, he walked into a world then, and as it is now, that really pride was the pride, self-esteem, self-actualization, you know, self-achievement, self-recognition was what everyone sought then and now. It's all about us. He came and said, no, I'm going to show you a different way. I'm going to set my power aside, and I'm going to come humbly. And again, as, as he did this, I, I've used this a, a example before because it's something that goes through my mind every Christmas when I think about Christ coming. Uh, uh, 
I picture all of eternity, please. Now, all the people in heaven, all the reality, the spiritual beings that are there. I love the expression. They're standing on tiptoes looking down at what's taking place on earth. They have the ability to do that. They have the ability to see what's going on. Can you, you know, I could almost see them. Look, there, there he is. Transition, they know exactly what's taking place. And, and there's God as a baby, vulnerable, helpless, diapers, laying in a manger. Whoa. The angels come and announce what he's about. We know the story. We use it every year. Uh, shepherds in the field, uh, guarding their flocks. An angel appears around them. And again, I would love that scene. We live in an, uh, an area where it gets dark at night. You know, uh, what about that, you know, the boom lights that take place? Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared around him. Radiance of his glory surrounded him. They are terrified, and well, they should be. And the angel just assured him, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. The one who's going to save the world. The Messiah that fulfills all Jewish prophecies. The anointed one is here. And the Lord, and and and. Be sure we know when we use the word Lord uh, in the Bible and what it represents, it's the supreme ruler that controls absolutely everything. Controls life, our life, our death, our health, our wealth. Everything that takes place around us is, is ordained by the sovereign God, the Lord of all. And, and he's in a manger. He's a baby. He's been born today in the city of David. You'll recognize him. Oh, good, you're going to see this king. You're going to see this mighty God. You're going to see him, and you're going to recognize him because, what? He's a baby? Really? Really? Wrapped in a, in a manger? Not even in motel at the lowest level. What, motel six? Not even there? They announce this, and of course, suddenly the angels from heaven that were standing on tiptoes gather around, and they're singing praises and, and, and worship and, and amazement. They're saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. He sends his son into this world. This is where it starts. It comes to earth, but it didn't stop there. You've got to know the end of the story. As we celebrate Christmas, we have to understand Easter. We have to understand what takes place there. Because when he appeared in, in, in human form, he humbled himself to obedience to God out of love for his father. He died a criminal's death on a cross. The most brutal, humiliating, painful, agonizing over periods of time, death. Stripped naked, the God of this world. Stripped naked, innocent, Nailed to a cross for my sins and yours. His choice. The only way. He dies a criminal death on a cross. Because of that, therefore, I love the, what is the therefore, therefore? Because he did this, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth, under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Christ is Lord, the ruler of all, to the glory of God the Father. You see, we're all going to see him. Everyone here. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone here. 
There'll be a time we'll all bow before him. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Some, out of fear, he'll say, never knew you, depart. Some, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. This Christmas, this message, every message, every day is an opportunity for us to tell other people to get ready, to love God, to love this God who became a man to die for our sins. You see, it's our choice. It's our choice whether we uh, follow him or not. He is the way. He is the only way to heaven. He's the only solution on this earth that can remove my sins and your sins so that we can stand with the holy God for all eternity in a holy heaven. He is the only way. But the question really we're challenging today is, do we believe it? Do we believe what I just said? Do we believe what these verses are saying? Do we believe what Christmas is about? You see, we know the first part of this, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You believe in him, you're not going to perish. He sent his son not to judge the world, but look at this. There's no judgment against anyone who believes. If, if we believe Christ is who he said he is, what we just talked about, then, then, then we have eternal life in heaven for eternity. But anyone who doesn't believe him has already been judged for not believing. And, and this believing isn't mental assent, by the way, just so you know. It isn't, it isn't sending Christmas cards. It's loving and serving him because we love him. It's loving and serving others, loving God, loving our neighbors. That's just, if we believe in him, that's what we do. And that's really what Christmas is all about. You know, and, and we live in challenging times, granted, where a lot of people acknowledge Christmas, but not the Christ of Christmas. You know, and so often back, even the same as when Christ came uh, to earth. You know, Isaiah was right. A lot of people honor Christ with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. It's not just believing that there's a God. It's, it's actually putting feet under our faith and following him. That's, that's the challenge for today. But, but why would we do that? Here's where the fun starts. God made each person here a rational being. You get to choose. You get to weigh the evidence. You get to look at the information. You, you get to look in various places and sources, look in our heart, look in the world, look at all these different places. And God offers us proof. He offered it to Thomas. Uh, one of his disciples wasn't there. And, and uh, when Jesus appeared the first time, the second time he comes, he calls Thomas over. Now, he didn't, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my hand in the wounds. I want proof. I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I'm a searcher for truth. Give me truth. And Jesus said, Thomas, come here. And by the way, he says that to everyone here. He said it to me. Come here and check me out. Am I who I say I am? Am I the Christ of Christmas, the Christ of the cross, and the Christ of the resurrection? Come and see. And he invites all of us to do the same. This Christmas is, hopefully if this message does anything, it builds our certainty of the reality of the Christ that we serve and that we celebrate on Christmas. You know, and, and, and as he does that, it's kind of fun to be able to look at that. And uh, are we able to explain to ourselves, to our kids, and to other people why we believe? The Bible says we should be able to uh, articulate. We should be able to defend our faith. 
This word, if you've got to worship Christ as Lord, absolutely, in, your li- in our life. And if, but if someone asks us, if, if your neighbor turned to you and, and we, we, we went, boop, push, pause, and don't you wish I would, uh, so I'd be quiet, and you could turn to your neighbor and say, hey, why do you believe in Jesus? What, give, me, give me your goods. Uh, explain it in a gentle and respectful way. Can, can we do that? C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant minds of the last century, he says, uh, the heart cannot rejoice in what the mind rejects as false. Uh, and this was, this was a convicting thought of mine. I wouldn't become a Christian until I saw it was rational, had evidence and proof. There's actually one thing that, that grabbed me uh, was prophecy. Most of you know my story in that area. But God gives us his evidence. He says, here's what I'm going to show you to prove that Christ is who he said he was. He, he challenges all other gods, all other people, all other religions, all the false philosophies of this world. And uh, he says, hey, show me what you can do. Tell us what happened long ago. Give me accurate history. Give me a specific accounts of events that have taken place in this world. Give me accurate history. You're trying to look for accurate history in a country that's rewriting their history, uh, even as we speak today, and, and purging God out of it. Look, show me accurate history. And then he says, oh, yeah, oh, no, by the way, once you give me accurate history, you tell me what the future holds. A supernatural God can tell us the future. And this is really what we're talking about today, those two. Accurate history and telling us the future. Past and present. You know, we're, we're going to start with history. What's, what proof do we have that Jesus lived, that, that the accounts in the Bible throughout are accurate? Uh, I, w- I was fascinated... Uh, uh, a month or so ago, a, f- a friend of mine in our class, uh, Dan Crabtree, got up and talked about archaeology. I was totally blown away. And so I asked him to come in for this Christmas message and to give some points that, that he gave us about archaeology and its power in this. So uh, Bill posed the question of, is there actually evidence uh, for the nativity? And uh, b- before we start, what we want to do is throw up one of my favorite uh, diagrams, the choo-choo train. So it's, it's Christmas, so this is appropriate. Um, so uh, the important part of this, the takeaway here is that faith follows facts. So we got the facts up pulling the train, and then faith follows that. So, uh, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the reliable sources. And down at the bottom there, it talks about uh, the things that we're actually going to poke at. Archaeology at Nazareth, uh, Josephus, and who was he? He's not in the Bible. Uh, so we're going to talk about him. Uh, the first Roman census, and, and, and it's mentioned in Luke. And... Uh, we're going to talk about Herod the Great. He's, a, he's an important character here in, in this narrative. And then we're going to put a date on Jesus' birth. But first, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go over to Luke, and, uh, and we're going to read, read Luke. And, uh, and I'll point out here uh, a few things that we're actually, these, these things we're going to poke into. So in Luke 2, 1 through 7, 
says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census, we're going to talk about that, should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor. We're going to talk about him. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. Now, David's, uh, David's ancient home. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth. Okay, we're going to talk about that. And he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant. And while they were in Bethlehem, Christ was born. So the question is, did Nazareth actually exist? This is going to, to Bill's uh, 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 points here earlier. Is Did Nazareth actually exist in the first century? So that would be from sometime between 0 and 100 A.D. And if it didn't, then... Joseph and Mary wouldn't have left from Nazareth to go to Bethlehem. And then Luke and Matthew are wrong. So, so far, looking at uh, archaeology and, and doing uh, some research on it, and I'm not an archaeologist by any stretch, uh, the Bible has been 100% accurate. So that's what we're going to show right now. So there, there have been archaeological digs uh, in and around Nazareth, that uh, in 2009, there was evidence for Nazareth that it actually existed in the first century. And so they found things like storage pits, cisterns, courtyards, uh, houses. And so these are things that have actually been uncovered. You can, you can point to them and touch them. Uh, watchtower, they would have a watchtower there where, where someone would be watching over the fields uh, and uh, a, a watchman of some sort, pottery shards, and, and these things to uh, use carbon-14 dating uh, to date back into time. There's quarry. There's a, uh, an industrial-sized wine press. You can see people uh, standing around there on it. So it would be a very large facility for making a lot of wine. So, uh, so these things actually exist and they're actually dated back to Christ's time. So that's, that's one of the points. So Luke is, is, is correct in pointing out that they actually left from, uh, from Nazareth. Okay. So now the next thing we're going to talk about is Josephus. Now Josephus was a historian. He was a Jewish historian, not in the Bible, but he talks about the Bible and, and we'll find out why he's important here in a minute. So is he reliable? Uh, he fought in the, the first Jewish uprising in 66 AD against Rome. And of course, the Romans promptly crushed the Jews. Uh, and uh, he uh, was captured by Vespasian. And then when Vespasian became emperor, he, he freed Josephus and, and Josephus took the name Flavianus, which was uh, Vespasian's name. Uh, he, was, he lived in Rome, but the important thing, he was a historian, and so he wrote a lot of books. He wrote the, the, the Jewish War, and that was about the, the uprising against the uh, Romans in 66 AD. And then there were 20 books on Jewish antiquities. That's the name of the, the series. Okay, So... In book 18 of the uh, 
and these passages here are actually famous, which I knew nothing about these when I started this. So this was just something that I uncovered. From the Jewish Antiquities in Book 18, there's actually a description of Jesus. And so, remember, this guy is a Jewish historian. he's He's not a Christ follower. He wasn't a convert or anything. He was always Jewish. Uh, there have been a couple of translations of this. The top one is uh, so, some of the, uh, the, there's thought that the, the Christians had tampered with the actual translation. And so the one that's on the bottom there is, I, I'll read from that one. That one is most likely the one that Josephus uh, actually wrote. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. And his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Okay, so sound familiar? It's in the Bible. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. And those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly... He was perhaps the Messiah uh, concerning whom the prophets uh, have recounted wonders. And so, not in the Bible, extra biblical, and of of all things, a Jewish historian. So, Josephus establishes that Jesus was a real person. Uh, His historicity, and that's a fancy way of saying that he was actually a living, breathing person, uh, that walked the earth. He establishes that Jesus was known to be virtuous. He had disciples, uh, and those disciples did not abandon him. That Pilate condemned him to death, and uh, uh, in this case, uh, via crucifixion. That he talks about the resurrection, and also then he speculates, and this was probably a big deal for a Jew. He says, speculates, perhaps Jesus was the Messiah that was talked about. So this is an external view, and, and I've seen a lot of this uh, in uh, looking at the archaeology of outside things pointing into the Bible, showing that these, these things actually happened. Uh, and, it, and it's throughout the Old Testament for sure, and here's another one uh, that, that points to that. So when was Jesus born? So, so first, we need to talk about Herod the Great. So Herod is actually a major, uh, he plays a major part in this narrative of Jesus' birth. So, so in Matthew, the narrative of, that, that's associated with Herod, that, that's, that's where this uh, occurs. So in Matthew 2.18, it says, these wise men came, and they got an audience with Herod, and they pointed into a prophecy that said that there was going to be a great ruler that who, was, who was going to be born in Bethlehem. And now is the time. It's supposed to be happening right now. Well, Herod says, go find him and report back to me, and I'll go worship him. And, of course, Herod had a different plan. So down at the bottom of this, you can see that Herod was a rat dog. He was, he was a terrible person. In his 36 years of being the king, 
Uh, it's reported by the, by the historians that there wasn't a day that went by that somebody was not condemned to death during that 36 years. So he used murder, intimidation as a tool to, to rule. Josephus, back to Josephus as a historian, there are other historians that wrote a lot about Herod, but Josephus is the one that the, the, the Christians have a lot, pointed to a lot uh, about what was going on in, uh, in Israel at the time. So G Josephus records that he murdered vast numbers of people over that reign, of, over his reign. And he actually executed uh, children and several fam family members. And in fact, uh, Augustus Caesar said that it was safer to be a pig than, than to be Herod's sons. So this guy was extremely violent. So then the question is, is did he actually go and kill all of those uh, Jewish babies? But, but first what happened was Joseph and Mary got a call from an angel, you need to leave. And so they left, they went to Egypt, and in, the, in, that, in that intervening time, uh, Herod uh, had all of the two-year-olds and younger boys murdered, okay, in the hopes that he killed the, the king that the wise men had talked about. So placing Herod's death, so, so Jesus would have been a baby, placing Herod's death established Basically, it will establish uh, Christ's birth date. Uh, Jesus had to have been born before Herod died. Okay, so, so it is documented. There's, there's a lot of evidence that, and it's very specific, that Herod died in 4 B.C. Okay, so, and specifically, it was between March 29th and April 24th, 4 B.C. Josephus the historian, he records that there was an eclipse uh, of the moon just before Herod died. And so using uh, the astronomy and such, you can, you can roll back and find out when that actually happened. Okay? And the other thing is, is it's known that it's, it was recorded that Herod died just before the April 11th Passover in 4 BC. So basically it narrows down his uh, death and then Jesus was born prior to that. So then you should ask, so Dan, okay, how can Christ be born before Christ? Okay, good question. So there was a, there was a, a monk named uh, uh, Dionysus Exegus who was told by Pope John I in 525 A.D. to establish a calendar for the Western world. So what Dionysus did was he used Christ's birth as a, as a midpoint, as a starting point. And in 525 A.D., he went, he, he went from there back 525 years trying to establish when Christ was born. And uh, he missed it by about four years. The most likely date of uh, Christ's birth is around 6 B.C. by our current dating system. The interesting thing about the dating system which is that whether you're a Christ follower, 
whether you're an atheist, it doesn't matter. If you say that it, we're, we live in A.D. 2019, then you are acknowledging that Christ was born at some point because the whole dating system is based on that. So uh, it's kind of a, an interesting aside there. Okay. So then in Luke, Luke points out that there was a, a census. So what was that all about? So uh, Augustus Caesar talks about in, in the Res Gestae, the deeds of Augustus, so his autobiography, about the census that, uh, that was taken. That, that census took place from, from uh, and it had been going on for a really long time. Now, there was this, this particular census that, that was occurring when Christ was born was put back into place. There had been one previous to that in around 18 B.C., and then there was another one that was occurring in around 8 to 6 B.C., and that one was uh, going to be used to help fund the Roman military because they were running out of money. They had been, had so many wars that they were fighting that the coffers were running low. So it was decided that we, they would have a, an inheritance tax. So that meant that everybody had to go back to their ancestral origins and then they would pay that tax based on what the properties and things like that that they had. So this is actually a picture of one of the edicts. Now this was from, a, uh, from a 104 AD that was found in Egypt, that was uncovered in Egypt. And it was a directive that all people were supposed to go back to their ancestral homes and that they would be paying taxes there. Okay, so, and that, that, that process went on to about 300 A.D. So we know that that was actually a real process. That, that was, and so Luke points out that that actually occurred. Uh, and then the question is, is Luke points out that Quirinius was the governor of Syria. So, so he was actually uh, in Syria twice. He was appointed in 6 AD by Augustus Caesar, and he was one of Caesar's go-to guys to go solve problems. And he, he did, uh, uh, basically he led uh, um, campaigns to conquer different places, and also he would go in and put down rebellions. So he was in, he was assigned in Sirius, but it's also known that prior to that, he had been in Syria, which Judea fell under that uh, governorship. He was there uh, prior to that. And that's what uh, Luke is talking about, that Quirinius had been, was, was in the government during this first, uh, first census. So if you go that uh, there was a census going on when he was appointed in 6 A.D., and the Romans ran on 14-year cycles for their census. That would put him 8 B.C. that he was actually uh, in the government in Syria. So Luke then is correct again. So Quirinius was actually around that area in 8 B.C. And so uh, the takeaways here are, are really that... Uh, Nazareth actually existed. Uh, the, the Roman uh, census, 
that, uh, that's described in Luke actually happened. There's a lot of evidence of that and a lot of political uh, ramblings uh, in the whole area that Jesus is a historical person. He actually walked the earth. There's people point back. And, you know, as Christ followers, you go, well, duh. Yeah, we know that already. But this is an extra biblical thing pointing back in there and say, yeah, no kidding. Uh, You guys' faith is not misplaced at all because it actually happened. And then Jesus was born at the appointed time. So whether it's 4 B.C., 6 B.C., it's when he was supposed to be born. Anyway, that's it. Thanks, Dan. One of the things that he, he kind of ruined my morning devotional time in one way or built it up, however you look at it. After he did this presentation in the Sunday school class, uh, he recommended a book, The Stones Cry Out. I recommend it to you. Uh, I've started reading it. I'm going through it. I am fascinated by the extra-biblical evidence that points to the accuracy of the Bible. Because the truth is, as I said before, we have to believe what we say we believe. So I encourage you, if you're inclined in those ways, to please check out uh, the archaeology. I also, by the way, in one of my news sources is CBN. And it's almost every day that they will give a new archaeological dig that's taking place in the world today that will show evidence extra-biblical of the accuracy of the biblical accounts. We can trust the Bible in history. The next thing God says, he gives us two proofs. One, he gives us history, accurate history. And the second one, tell us what's going to happen in the future. I won't spend a lot of time on this because this is my thing. This is, this is what brought me to Christ. This is what affirms me. In the same news sources that I read every day, I read news sources, but I see the Bible. Because that's the accuracy we're dealing with. All the way from the description in the Bible of what's going to happen to Russia, what's going to happen to Iran, what's going to happen to each of the nations that are, that are in the news today. What's going to happen to them? Well, it's in the Bible as it describes the time we live in. In your outline today, I left uh, several websites at the end uh, where you can go into our Right Now Media and you can watch long uh, talks about proof for our faith. There's some of them right here. If you're not a member or have not joined Right Now Media, it's free. We pay for it. All you have to do is sign up, get registered, and you can go on your line. It's better than Netflix. It's better than any of that other stuff that's on there. Go watch good Christian education and information. God tells us the future. He's done it for thousands of years. The promise is that he will always reveal the future to us. And he's doing that in our time today. So the evidence, again, that God is, is first history and prophecy. Jesus had hundreds and 300 prophecies about his first coming. And oh, by the way, there's a couple hundred about his next coming. Uh, Wow, can't wait to celebrate that one. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you for being God. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, coming humbly as a baby to serve, to die for us, that we might know you, that we might spend eternity with you. 
Lord, we thank you. For each person here, let us be affirmed going forward. If there's any doubts or seekers or people that don't understand, Lord, let them look for the information that's there so we might walk confidently in the truth this Christmas that we are celebrating the birth of God here on earth. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.